welcome to the worship service at the Seventh-day Adventist Church in Hayward, California, a multicultural church in the San Francisco East Bay that worships on the Seventh-day Sabbath, Saturday. The ministry of the Word by Pastor Paul Penno is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ to forgive sin and save from sin by his cross and ministry as priest in the heavenly sanctuary, the third angel's message in verity. Join us now as the service is in progress. Uh, Thank you, Marge, for those kind words. Very kind. I appreciate you organizing it so I could be here today. I've been looking forward to this uh, for a few weeks now. We worked it all out, actually a few months ago. And uh, you're right, there's over 500 young people and adults baptized at the Camp Re last summer. Amen? Amen. They gave their hearts to God and they wanted to show it publicly that they are standing for Jesus. That was a highlight of the Camp Re for me. In fact, there are many highlights as we gathered uh, close to 100 countries and uh, 36,500 people together from all over the world. It was wonderful. It's just like having the whole family together. And let me give you some impressions of this congregation here this morning. Come in on 808. You come right down the, the highway here, the, the, the road out front. It's easy to find your congregation. I love this. You know, some churches are hidden. They're, uh, you can't find them. You have to, you know, you know what I'm saying? Not this congregation, not this sanctuary. It's right in the community. So it's a beautiful sanctuary, beautiful facility, easy to find. And then as soon as I got here, I parked. A little bit of problem finding parking space. A lot of cars out there. But I snuck in there, got in there, and thank you for letting me borrow your vehicle so I can and do that. I got in there, and I locked it, by the way. That's good, yeah. So I came in, you know, and as I came in the door, I saw the three magi uh, right there, the greeters. They got good greeters in this congregation. And so I got one nice greeting and a second and a third, and I thought, two thumbs up. This is my kind of congregation. And right from the get-go, you feel welcome. And I don't know if there are three Magi or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I'm not sure which. Uh, but this afternoon, I think our message tonight at 7 o'clock is on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So I hope those three gentlemen come back. We'll be talking about you uh, this evening at 7. Uh, more impressions as I, everybody's so friendly and a lot of introductions took place. I appreciate the wonderful meal last night. Uh, Brother Kevin and his family. I think stayed up to midnight so I could come eat because the plane story, you know, uh, it felt like you know midnight for some people. But uh, a delicious meal and the hospitality is wonderful, and I appreciate uh, Brother Kevin his family and their hospitality. These are the impressions I have right away of this congregation. Now I've heard about this congregation for many years. It's uh, it's a congregation that's been uh, in this community for many years. It's been a pre- salt and light in Matthew. It's been sharing the gospel. And I'm just excited to be in the building, in the sanctuary, this Sabbath morning. I also think uh, Josh, I like his vision for leading the young people, putting them in leadership roles, and reminding us our faith movement came from young people. I kind of like that. I kind of like that whole history that we have. And then I think of a Daniel here. It's good to have, I think we have the Magi, we have Daniel. We have all the Bible people here today in your sanctuary the other thing I love about here, I base out of Andrews University, and at Andrews, it's like a collection of the world, because it's everybody from everywhere, and I tell you, the impression I have as I come to the, your sanctuary today, it's a collection of the world also. 
And that makes it special because we're living like heaven now. Because when we get above, it's going to be everyone from everywhere. Amen? Yeah, I am blessed to be here today. I'm just really excited to be here. Well, a few years ago, a couple years ago now, I lost my dad. You know, he's gone to sleep until the Lord comes back and calls him. He was 87 years of age. He and I are very close. Uh, I like antique classic cars. I rebuild them. That's how I made some money to get through school. And he was right beside me. We'd go to junkyards and pull things off and put cars together because we didn't have a whole lot of money. So we made it all work. You know the story maybe. Some of you in this sanctuary. But as we're growing up, we're just really close. We had a great time together. But uh, as I had to move on, uh, away from home, away from town, uh, every year we would get together as a family it sounds kind of odd, I know, but we get together for the Super Bowl. Uh, we didn't care who played. We just figured out a way to be back home on Super Bowl weekend. So over and over, I'd get with him, and we had, we had, he's a business background. I have a business background and then ministry theology later in my life, a little bit later through my academic journey. And uh, by the way, uh, Brother Norman, it's good to see you here, the support of ASI. I think it's a wonderful organization where business people unify and try to lift the gospel and make it uh, stronger. It's good to see you here, and thank you for your leadership in that ministry. But uh, we get talking. When we watch the Super Bowl, the game's good. That's okay. You know what we love the most? We love the commercials. We couldn't wait for the commercials. Uh, and so when the commercials come up, we have a little rating system, you know. It's on the wall. You don't want to hear all the story about how we get together and watch Super Bowl, but we'd raid them, and we make noise for them, and it's just a lot of fun. It's kind of a, a dumb kind of family fun thing that we do. Uh, it's kind of dumb maybe, but it's fun, okay? Every family needs a little bit of tradition. Uh, so we, we would watch that, and I remember one year we're watching halftime show, and there's a wardrobe uh, uh, malfunction uh, is what I remember, and he was 86, 85 at that time. He looks over at me, he says, son, did I just see what I thought I saw? And I said, I said, Dad, I think you did. I, yeah. He says, well, I'm done with these halftime shows. <laughs> you just have to be there to enjoy the moment, you know. And I said, well. And then as soon as that uh, halftime show is over, the local TV station says, in your family-friendly TV station. So I, I thought, family-friendly, what's going on? So I went back there and called on the phone. I was nice about it. I just said, family-friendly, explain this to me. You know, what's, you know, this is our family gathering. You know, help me here, help me. Of course, they have delay now. They've worked all that out, you know, kind of thing. But we love watching the commercials. Years ago, there's a few of you in this room, remember this commercial, where this little lady uh, cocked her head like a cocker spaniel. She looked you straight in the eye, and she said, where's the beef? Where's the, what they do is show a bun. It's a fast food uh, chain. They show a bun and a little tiny uh, burger right there in the middle of the bun. And she asked, where's the beef? And it kind of caught on. Everybody, if you remember the commercial, everybody was talking about it, even the competitors. Uh, young people are talking about it. It's just a classic commercial, one of those unbelievable, extraordinary kind of commercials. Where's the beef? Today, I'm going to be talking to you about where's the beef in your walk with God? Where's the meat in your relationship with Jesus Christ, okay? Paul talks about that in the New Testament. And right before we go to God's Word and open it a little bit, I'm going to... Uh, I'm going to, well, let's do that right now. John chapter 14, verses 1, 2, and 3. I want to talk to you about the soon return of Jesus Christ. 
He is coming back. I grew up on Andy and Mayberry, amen? It taught values. TV back then taught values about lying, cheating, stealing, like our, our uh, children's story today about, you know, telling the truth. And then uh, Lassie, you know, and I grew up, all those, I love Lucy, even they're in separate beds back in the day, you know, some of you remember that. TV today is a lot different. The world we live in is much different than the, the times that I grew up in, many of you in this, this sanctuary. Uh, it's, in fact, it, there's a TV show, you go on an island or somewhere a long way away, and if you can lie enough, if you can be deceitful enough, if you can cheat enough, we're going to give you a million dollars. That's the values transferred through the TV today. The battle of the evil one, I don't want to call his name, the evil one attacking our young people today is extraordinary. He's not just after young people, he's after everyone of all ages. It's, a, it's really uh, an amazing time to live right now before the return of Jesus Christ. It's amazing to live right now. There's a promise of Scripture I want us to remind ourselves of that reminds us about his return. It's John 14, 1 to 3. And if you have a red letter edition, it's in red letters because this is Christ himself speaking to us today. And it goes like this, let not your heart be troubled. He's talking to his disciples. They were a little disturbed, off balance. And some people maybe in the sanctuary feel the same way today. He says, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are a few mansions. Yours says many? Oh, so does mine. Okay. Isn't that good news? There's many mansions. There's room for all of us here. Okay? There's many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, says Jesus. I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I might come again. No, your Bible says what? I will come again and receive you unto myself. My dad tells me years ago, growing up as a young man, he says that uh, you could actually shake a man's hand and give your word to someone else, and it meant something. You could transfer land, you could transfer cattle, you, you could livestock, you could, your word meant something. Last time I bought a house, it was paperwork this thick, you know, it felt like, you know. I didn't even read it. Did you read it? I didn't read it. I just signed, you know, okay, sign, okay, sign. sign. I, it's a different kind of world. The Word of God says, He's given us His Word, I will return, I will come again, and receive you unto Myself, that where I am, there you may be also. There ye may be also. There you and I can be also. That's a promise, not from a human being, it's not from Pastor Rod's, not from your name. It's from the Creator, King of the universe, the Lord Jesus Christ. Whether you believe it or not, whether he's coming, you believe He's coming back or not, He's given us His Word, He's returning He's coming back for us. Amen? Amen? Isn't that good news? He's coming back. I wish you could see my arms right now. i got tingles all over there, you know, all over my arms about talking about Jesus' return. Now, Betty, thank you so much for that message and song talking about the sacrifice of Christ and the return of Jesus. It fits perfectly with all the message that we've heard so far today. Well, let me have an added word of prayer, and we go right to the three things that I want to instruct you in today to prepare yourself for the return of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God, uh, give me strong voice, give me clarity of thought, give me a message for this congregation, this gathering this morning, that will be extraordinary, preparing us for your soon return. And as we'll pray at the end of this service today, as soon as you're ready to come for us, Lord, we're ready to fly. We're ready to go home with you. We pray it in your name. Amen. Amen. Number one of the three things I want to share with you today about preparing 
for Jesus Christ's soon return. Prayer is so important to your relationship with Jesus Christ. Prayer is not just important, it's critical to your relationship, but your walk with God. You must develop that prayer life that you connect to your best, your best friend, Jesus Christ. When I was growing up about uh, 15, 14, 15, I went through a, this is embarrassing to tell you this, uh, Norman, don't listen, okay? Just put your, just, you know, anyone wears a bow tie, I don't want him to listen. I don't want him to, don't listen to anything I'm going to say, okay, you know? Uh, but here's what's going on. Through my life, as I was going through, I moved away from home a long way away. And as I went a long way away, I was kind of making my way. And I was, uh, I believed in God and I was connected to God, but I compromised sometimes. See if you can relate, some of you in this sanctuary. As I went uh, to this, uh, I was at a boarding school and I went off to, to uh, this, they take you in from the boarding school to a big mall and we go shopping. And uh, at this time in my life, I just, I just changed my diet. I said, I'm going to try this vegetarian diet thing. You know, I just grew up on a cattle ranch and enjoyed that and everything. And, but I'm going to change. I'm going to go vegetarian. Well, if you ever switch, make that switch, you're always hungry. <laughs> if you make that switch, I mean, it, when you make that switch for a while, you're very hungry. It gets better after time. I mean, it's okay. But uh, when you make that, for, oh, man, you just... So uh, I was always looking for food, and so I went to this mall, and there, there was a, 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 a steakhouse outside there. I think it's called Western Sizzler or something like that. And so I saw it's a $1.99 a special on salad, all you can eat. I thought, that's where I got to go. So I went in there and smelled all the beef and everything. Oh, it smells so good and everything. I said, no, 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 I'm going uh, to try this. I'm going to try this. So I went in there, and I got my tray, and I went through the serving line. You know, they had the ice there, and they had all the different things, the salad, and so I put the lettuce on, and oh, it didn't look like much there, and I was really hungry. I don't know if you, somebody can relate to this, but I was really, like last night over at the house there. Oh, I was hungry. I was ready. So uh, I put the salad down, the lettuce, and then uh, I thought, man, i got to get more on there. So I put the dressing, and then more salad, more dressing, more. You can do every other, and it sticks together. It's wonderful. And so you have this plate with this tray, and it just st- it becomes a pyramid. It's a great thing. And then you just kind of get it all stuck together, and that gives you more, more stuff to eat, you know, more food, I should say, for those. Betty would, my wife, Betty, would correct me. I need to use the proper words. More food is what I need. And so you go along the line, you know, you put things on there, and you got the little olives. This, you get to the croutons. You ever notice this? It's like a, they have a little tiny spoon, you know, and you stick it in there. You take out two croutons, and you take, so I just took it out of the ice and just poured it on, you know. Because I had all that good sauce up top, you know, and it stuck there, and it, it just made for... So I take it over, you know, and I head over to my little table. I was all alone this day. I sit down at my table, and I was raised, you know, uh, food's a blessing of God. And as I study God's Word, I find that Jesus, you know, He prayed before He partook of food, the blessing, you know, of this earth, the, the creation. So I sat down, and I got there, you know, and as I sat there, I was all alone, you know, I was, I was really hungry, ready to get in, and it dawned on me, because remembering how I was raised and, and, I, and what I've studied, and I said, I, I, I need to have a blessing. But I looked over here, and there's somebody I didn't know. Oh, I don't know that person. And somebody in front of me, I don't know them. I don't know them, and, and I, no, I don't know them either. And, and uh, what am I going to do? Uh, I need to have my blessing. And, uh, but I don't know, you know, what to do. And then, here's the embarrassing part. 
Ay, ay, ay. So I thought to myself, how am I going to have my blessing? And so I took my uh, napkin, you know, off the tray. And I took my napkin out, and I started unfolding my napkin like this. I got it all unfolded, and I threw it out in front of me like this. And as it came down to my lap, I said, Heavenly Father, bless my food. Amen. <laughs> oh, I got my blessing in. Did you get it? Uh, did you miss it? Good. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah. Oh, I'm so sad. that I tell you, my goodness. I was more worried about people, what they thought of me, around me, than what I was thinking about what he thought of me. You know, he stood up for us on the cross, didn't he? He went all the way for us. You know, we need to, a simple prayer in a public setting is not a lot to ask of someone, you know. I need to start, I said to myself after that day, I need to start living what I say I believe. I think that's what I need to do. Prayer is so important to your relationship and your walk with Jesus Christ as you pray, prepare yourself and your family for the return of Jesus. Who is, not a trick question, who is the perfect example in Scripture? It's Jesus Christ. Would you agree? He's the perfect example. What kind of a prayer life did he have when he walked this earth? Was it kind of like a ho-hum prayer life? Hey, the business is not going good. I need to, let me talk to his father, you know, or, ah, I'm up against a test, you know, or into school, you know, I need a little extra help, God, you know, or uh, I got a health problem. I haven't talked to you for a few months, but now I'm back, you know, kind of. Was it kind of like a ho-hum prayer life? No. As you study the Word of God, as you get into his Word, what we find is he had a very active prayer life. Amen? And if Jesus, the Son of God, felt like he had to connect to his Father through prayer on a regular basis, how much more so should I feel the same need? Amen? Think about that. Now, if you think of Scripture, and you go back into the, the stories of Scripture, when you think about Jesus in prayer, there's many times, would you agree with me, that we find Jesus praying all night long? All night long. I have a question for you today. And you just answer it to yourself. Just answer in your own mind. When's the last time that you prayed all night long about anything? When's the last time you prayed? When's the last time you prayed for five hours? When's the last time you prayed for one hour straight? When's the last time you prayed for ten minutes? Five minutes? Two minutes? When's the last time you prayed? Prayer is so important to your relationship with Jesus Christ in preparing for his soon return. Little tingles. There it is again on both arms. I talk about Jesus coming back. I get excited about that. Prayer is so important in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Principle number two, preparing for the soon return of Jesus Christ. I think we understand prayer. We want to make that more a part of our lives. Not be embarrassed wherever we are. If it's time to pray, pray. You know, just pray. Just be who you say you are. That's all God calls us to do. Well, prayer is important. Bible study. Bible study is so critical to your walk with Jesus Christ. It's so important to being ready for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. But Pastor Ron, you don't understand, I'm very busy. I just got elected to this position. I'm the communication director or fundraiser or president. And at school, I'm, I'm class this, president and treasurer, and I'm and I got this going on in my life. You know, I'm part of the sports league. And I, I'm just a really busy person. You don't understand, Pastor. I'm just really busy. You know, I, I, if I had time, I would study. Guys, but it's just so busy. Or with adults. You know, I just started this job. Or I just started school again. Or I got this going, that going. You know, I just, I'm just really, really busy. I hear that all the time. You know, if I, if I just wasn't so busy, I could open up his word. I could do that. Or 
I've heard this. Pastor Ron, uh, have you read that lately? Have you, I mean, have you actually picked up the book and opened it up? I said, yeah, yeah. It is so boring, man. It is so, I mean, the words, and I don't understand the, what's going on there. I, I just, I can't, uh, I don't know. It doesn't relate to my life. If it was relevant to my life, you know, maybe that would, you know, I've, but I just, I don't know about that. Well, a few years ago, the story was shared with me that I love to share with you today. It was a social one night. A group of young adults got together, about 20, 30 young adults, and they were at this setting, and uh, they all were in a room about the size of the platform here, and across the room, there was a really handsome guy at the punch bowl. And one young lady looked at her friend and took her elbow and punched her in the side, says, hey, 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 do you know him across the room? Mm-hmm. She said, I sure do. Oh, she says, could you introduce him to me? And she said, yeah, I can do that. And as fate would have it in perfect timing, they ended up at the punch bowl. Introductions were made. Discussions were had. Eventually... Uh, he says to her, how long have you lived in the community? Oh, this many years, you know. Oh, great. She says, well, how long have you lived here? Oh, yeah, okay, just chit-chat, chit-chat, okay, well, well, great. Well, what? she says, um, he says to her, well, what do you do? And she explained what she did, you know. And, and uh, earlier that day, I'll stop the story, she was at the mall. And uh, she had purchased a book at the mall, the bookstore there, and she got home in her little apartment, started reading it. It was the most boring, dumbest book she ever read. She threw it in the corner, you know. Back to the social. He says to her, well, what do you do? And she explained. And she says to him, well, what do you do? He says, well, I, I'm an author. Oh, really, she says. I love reading. She says, what books have you written? He said, I've written this book, this book, this book. Ding, 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 ding. And uh, she says, you know that book, I just bought that last book you titled. Is that your name? Oh, yeah, that's the book. She says, really? I see. He says, really, to her, you, you, you have my book. Yeah, I got your book. She sa- he says to her, well, what do you think of my book? <laughs> and she says, I just got the book. Um, just got the book. Uh, just, just got the book. So the social is over. She jumped in her Volkswagen bug. She headed back to her apartment. She busted through the front door. Where's the first place she went? Oh, man, where's that book? (laughs) You know, it's the corner of the bedroom there. Pick that thing up. She started reading the book. It was the most relevant, exciting book she'd ever read in her whole life. Why? Because she met the author. Huh? She met the author. It could be, if you find this book hmm, a little boring, irrelevant to your life, it could be... You need to get connected to that author. You need to get connected to the author. Just beg God, pray to God. Give me passion. And as you pray to God, you pray before you open the book, it's amazing how it'll come alive for you. Some people tell me, though, Pastor Ron, you don't understand. Um, I just don't have time. Well, we heard that excuse earlier. I'm going to hand you some time today, okay? I can create time. Pretty amazing, huh? You didn't know this, did you? I can do this. I can create time. Here's how we're going to create time. Uh, there's um, a new uh, technology out. Maybe you heard about it. It's uh, like an iPod thing. 
It's MP3, Josh, help me with some kind of player thing. Back in the day, it used to be cassette recorders, you know. And, and I talk to people, especially in metropolitan areas. I say, what do you do when you drive to work? Well, that's kind of dumb, Pastor Ron. What I do, especially guys tell me this, what I do is I turn on NPR radio or a or talk show or something, you know. And all the way to work, I hear about what's going on, what's going wrong uh, in the world, you know, what's falling apart. So when I get to work, I can talk to other people about all the things wrong with the world. You know, I can be up to date, you know. I said, well, how long does it take you to get to work? Oh, it takes about, mm, well, around here. <laughs> it depends on what city you live in, Chicago or here or whatever. But I talked to a fellow, it's an it's a hour commute to work, to get to work. I said, oh, what do you do for that? Oh, I listen to the news, I talk radio and all that. I said, well, why don't you just use this little thing? It's an, and I was talking back in the day, a little cassette, you know, and you have a little cassette, punch it in there, you know, and there's Bible study. You can have Bible study. Why don't you take, by the way, in the news, the only first 10 minutes is really good, the news. The rest of it's just trying to keep you there so they can come back at the bottom of the hour again. So I said, why don't you just get the first 10, 15 minutes of the news, turn it off, and listen to Bible study all the way to and from work. And he says, well, I haven't thought of that. And I says, uh, now tell me this. What do you do on the way as you commute home? What do you do with your time? Oh, I turn it back on again to make sure the world's still falling apart. (laughs) He laughed at me when the guy told me this. I'm still making sure, you know. I said, okay, well, why don't we just think about as you go home from work, get the first 10, 15 minutes in case you miss something during the day, and then you can uh, get back to the Bible study. There's some beautiful uh, message that you can find in Christian bookstores uh, some is narrated, some has music under it, Betty, that you would love. Uh, there's all kinds of message of Scripture where you can listen to God's Word and pour it into your life to help make it relevant. And uh, so I just gave this, this gentleman an hour and 15 minutes of Bible study every single day. And uh, some people, that, especially where I come from, have these huge lawns. So what do you do when you mow the lawn? Well, that's kind of dumb, Pastor Ron. I get out there and I just sit on my little machine or I push my little machine. I said, well, why don't you pick up this new device, it's a little headset things, put it on your hip, and you can listen to Bible study as you're mowing the lawn an hour a week or two hours a week. Depends on the side of the lawn you have, you know. Um, then I go to ladies. I have to pick on you a little bit. Sorry. But I did the guys first. Betty made me reverse it. I used to do the ladies first, but my wife Betty had me change it. So I pick on the lady. What do you do when you work on that hair in the morning? Especially if you're a teenager. When my girls, my twin girls went through that, that time of life, I mean, it took some time to get every hair just right where it's supposed to be, you know, and make sure every ear just fit just right, everything just right. So that's about 15 minutes a day. For some ladies in this room, it could be a little longer, okay? Maybe 20, maybe 30 minutes. Kind of work on that hair, get everything. Put the face on is the word that Betty used. I don't know what that means. I thought she had one when she woke up. I didn't know, but put the face on, get all that going, you know. So however long it takes you, what do you do when you do all that? Nothing. I just work on this. Well, why don't you put Scripture study right beside you there every morning when you get all that day going. Put Scripture and listen to the Word of God as you're getting your day going. That's a positive thing to think about. Now, I'm, I'm going to step on your toes right now, and, uh, and you can step on mine. But uh, before I tell you that, what I, why I'm going to step on your toes, um, let me ask you, who's our perfect example in Scripture? Jesus Christ, we all agreement, right? What kind of a Bible study life did he have as he walked this earth? What kind of a, well, how did he, do you remember when John the Baptist was down there at the water and Jesus came over the top of the hill and Jesus came down and said, John, you need to baptize me, you know? And John the Baptist says, no, I can't do that, you're, you know? 
And uh, yes, you can. No, you can't. Yes, you can. No, you can't. And then eventually, John the Baptist says, yes, I can. And the baptism took place. Remember that in the water? And by the way, some people don't believe in the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost. This is just bonus information. But here we have the Trinity all in one place at one time. There's only one other place in Scripture we find the Trinity all in one place. The, the Son representing himself, Jesus. The Holy Spirit represented by what? The dove. And then God the Father represented how? The voice from above. This is my Son whom I'm well pleased. The Father, the Son, Holy Spirit. After baptism, where did Jesus go next? It says in the book, he went out to the desert. Remember? Who was waiting for him out in the desert? Yeah, the bad guy, for sure. He was waiting, trying to compromise uh, our Savior, Jesus. Every time, think, fellow believers, every time that Satan threw a temptation at Jesus, Jesus responded with these words, it is written. You can't quote something unless you study something. That tells me that Jesus was a student of God's word. He studied God's word. It is written. He's our perfect example. Now, here's where I'm going to step on your toes. You can step on mine on the way out. These are older shoes. I brought them. These are my Pathfinder shoes, so you can step on them all you want, okay? Everybody in this room, myself included, you have time to read the magazines you want to read. You watch the movies and TV shows you want to watch. We do the recreational activities we want to do. We have time to do what we want to do. If you want to find time to study God's Word, you can find the time to study God's Word. As we prepare for the return of Jesus Christ, as you prepare yourself and your family, I encourage you, I beg you, get into God's Word. Be, make it relevant to your life. Stay in God's Word. Find the time to open God's Word. So prayer is important. Bible study is very critical. And the last thing I want to share with you this morning is our, west, our witness, our testimony. It's very important that we have a testimony that goes beyond this building. You know? It's very important we have a testimony at the workplace. It's very important we have a testimony at school. It's very, te- uh, very important we have a testimony where you pump the gas, where you buy your groceries. It's very important that wherever you go, you're salt and light, as Matthew taught. You're a testimony of Jesus Christ. By the way, um, you know who the hardest people to be a witness to, be a testimony to? Who's the hardest people to witness to? Yeah, it's the people we love the most. You know, I can sit next to somebody on the plane, like I did, and share testimony and get a good conversation going. It's amazing how they put you in this tube and all these great stories happen because you have nowhere to go. You got to, and you got to be friendly because you can't beat them up the whole way, you know. So it's kind of a kind conversation about, you know, God. I think your son sat next to R.J. Reynolds, tobacco company vice president. Is your son here today or is he still down, down for the count? Yeah, he's uh, jet lagged probably. He just came back from Sweden, I think. Yeah, Switzerland. So we talk, and it, it's great. But uh, the people we love the most, the people in our home, the people, relatives, that's the hardest people to be a testimony a witness to. Well, there's an uh, example in Scripture. Who's the perfect example in this area also? Jesus Christ. Um, how did he become a testimony, a witness, wherever he was? Well, I'm going to give you a secret that will... Uh, I hope you remember it for the rest of your life, and I'm going to jump up and down twice just to emphasize it, to share with you the best way to be a testimony witness for him. Okay, here's one jump, and you ready? 
Uh, here we go. There's twice. You can tell people the pastor is jumping up in the pulpit today, okay? That's what's going on. The best way to be a testimony and a witness for Jesus Christ and to those you love the most, it's real simple, is just live the life. Just live what you say you believe. Just live it. That's the best way. Jesus didn't go around placards and blow horns, things like that. He just lived the life. Of course, he's our perfect example. And uh, it's exciting to see how he uh, just moved around and was a, uh, uh, drew people to him. If we live the life, I think we'll find in the workplace, everywhere we go, people will know. I was buying a book the other day at the mall, uh, and someone looks at me, are you a pastor? Just out of the blue, looks at me, are you a pastor? I said, yes, I am. How do you know that? She said, well, you're... Your smile. She says, you, you just look like you're at peace. And your smile, your, friend, your friendliness. And I thought, wow, thank you, Lord. I mean, that's coming through. It's pouring through. Because it's not me. It's, it's from above, you know. And I felt that today as I came to your sanctuary as with the, uh, the greeters and everyone I met thus far. I haven't met everybody. So some of you I don't know about. But uh, <laughs> just joke, joke. Uh, but everybody here has been so friendly. You know, as Jesus dwells in you, others will see that. It'll see that. I'll tell this story from my best friend, a relative of mine. I'll tell it in first person because it's a lot of fun to tell in first person. A few years ago, this is back when they had carousel slide projectors. I know five of you know what I'm talking about. There's slides. And people would travel the world. People in this congregation, he would travel the world. You might know this person. He might be in this congregation, Norman. I don't know. But he traveled the world. As he traveled a lot, he would take pictures all over the world. And he'd invite people from his church to come over to his house on Saturday night and watch his travels. And it was the most boring uh, travelogue you've ever seen. Because here I am getting on the plane. Okay, here I am sitting down in my seat. Here I am doing something else on the plane. Okay, here. It just, it was slow. And, it was, and if it wasn't for the food, none of us would go. But he had great food like I had last night over at the home here. You know, great food. We'd go for the food. You understand what I'm saying? And he was a nice guy. And we'd go just, you know, to be friendly. You know, we're a Christian church. Everything. So we'd go and he would just, now I'll use his name. I'll use the name Mike. And Mike was the guy that would come to church. And you'd go home today and be eating at home and say, was Mike at church today? Was he at church today? I don't know. Was he there? I Because he's just kind of a quiet guy, kind of comes and goes. And you'd have to think, well, yeah, I saw him. Yeah, okay. He didn't stand out. So what I'm going to tell you in story is uh, very abnormal. And having been raised down south in Georgia, I'm going to talk southern to you today. And the story goes like this. This guy named Mike, he says, Ron... It's the most exciting trip I've ever taken in my whole life. And he was going to tell me the story, so I might as well listen to him. and said, well, tell me about the story. Oh, it was wonderful. I was over there in the Middle East, he says, and he got talking about it. And he was on top of an observation deck at the airport ready to come home. He has a Hasselblad camera that costs more than both my cars combined. You know what I'm saying? It's a real fancy thing, you know. And he tells, talks to me about he's on top of the observation deck, and all of a sudden he notices a lot of security around him. This is a few years ago. And so he stopped one of the policemen. There's military and police security. He stopped one of the policemen and says, Sir, what's going on? Why all the extra security? Haven't you heard? Says the policeman to the, my friend Mike. He said, Have you heard? King Hussein himself is flying into the airport in just a few minutes. 
Oh, my friend thought to himself, Mike, oh, this will be great. I'm at the perfect place. You know, I'll take pictures. Everybody wants to come see my slideshow, you know, if I had King Hussein. So he's there. He's all ready to go, you know. And pretty soon the drone of a DC-9 circles the airport. It's a big white plane with a gold seal. And it descends and everything's cleared away. It descends. It taxis. Comes up to the red carpet. The red carpet rolls out. The massive doors open up with the golden seal. And King Hussein himself steps to the door. The music plays. He descends the steps. They hug like they do in that part of the world. And flowers are given and think tributes are offered. And just a high moment. And snap, 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 getting all the pictures. And then Mike looks over uh, his shoulder and got what Ford calls a bright idea. So he took his Hasselblad camera and took it off the tripod, put the tripod in the little box, ran out the front of the airport. It's a little small airport if you've ever been there. He goes out front and he jumps in the back of one of these long, dark limousines. And when he gets in the back of the limousine, he, he leans up from the back seat and says to the driver, Sir, as soon, as soon as those three long, dark limousines over there pull off, I want you to pull in right behind them. And the driver says, no, no, I'm not going to do that. My friend tells me he took uh, some paper from his left hand to his right hand and leaned up in the back seat and says, can you do it for me now? And the driver says, no, I don't think so. And he took some more paper out of here and put it up here. He said, can you do it for me now? And the driver says, yeah, I think I can. And as fate would have it, in perfect timing, uh, King Hussein, his party comes out, gets in three long dark limousines, heads in toward the King Palace. My friend with his limo, this is back in the day when uh, obviously not a lot of extra security, comes in right behind and they head in toward the King's Palace. All these four limousines head toward the King's Palace. Here's where my story really gets to be a lot of fun. You'll enjoy the smile. He says, run. Let's see if I can get my southern going. Let's see if I can get it. Ron, it was the most exciting thing I've ever experienced in my whole life. You have to hold your, your, your terms, uh, you know, for a while. I said, well, tell me about it. Tell me about it, Mike. What's he said, it was wonderful. I felt like a celebrity. I says, really? He says, yeah. He says, everybody is waving at me. I says, no. He says, yeah. I said, well, what'd you do, Mike? He said, I'd wave back is what I did. Oh, it was wonderful, he says. And I'd come around the corner, he says, and pretty soon there are people three and four deep um, near my limousine, he says. I said, really? I said, he said, yep. And what they would do is, because we had to slow down all the people, they would knock on the window. I said, no. He said, yeah. I said, what'd you do, Mike? He said, I would knock back. (laughs) He said, oh, and then we went around some more corners, headed in the town. I got narrow streets, no narrow streets. He said, pretty soon they had flowers. I said, really? He said, yeah. And I said, well, what were they doing with the flowers? He said, they're trying to give them to me. I said, what'd you do? He says, well, I, I put down my window, you know. And he says, pretty soon they would throw the flowers in. I said, no. He said, yeah. I said, well, what'd you do? Uh, Mike? He said, I'd pick them up and I'd throw them back. <laughs> oh, I was having a great day. It's flowers in, flowers out. It was just back and forth. And then he says, Ron, though, Ron, Ron, Ron. He said, Pretty soon I came around a corner, very narrow street and a long street. He said, I looked way down the street and I could see the, we're headed in toward the king's palace. And he said, two massive gates there and huge guards with automatic weapons. I said, no. He said, yeah. He's there. And he says, every time a limousine, he'd always pronounce it limousine, every time a limousine comes up to the, the gate, 
the guards would stop the limousine, look down at each person in the limousine, and motion them in. And the first limousine went by that way, and the second, and then the third. And then he tells me, he says, I leaned up in the back seat, and I tacked my driver on the shoulder. And I said, pull over. I'm not a part of the king's party. Question for you today. Are you a part of the king's party? Are you a child of the king? Do you know that you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? And if your answer is yes, where's the beef in your walk with Jesus Christ? Where's the meat, the fiber, as Paul points out? Where's the fiber? Where's your prayer life? Folk, where's your devotional life? And where's your testimony? Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If, I, if it were not so, I would have told you, by the way. And I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there ye may be also. I pray that you and your family will be prepared for that return of Jesus Christ. I pray that you and my family will be more active in our prayer life, our Bible study life, and will be never ashamed to be a testimony for Jesus Christ. And all the people said, he's coming back for us, amen? Amen. Take your hymnals today and turn to hymn number 213. Lift up the trumpet, loud let it ring. Jesus is coming again, 213. Join us again next time for the Word of God which will feed the soul. I am committed to bring you the fullness of the gospel as Jesus has revealed it to us in order to prepare a people for his soon coming.